Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world. Girl, I'm glad you're here for Soul H2O Radio episode 33. Today, we're talking about women in leadership. We're going to learn some really helpful tips from the life and leadership of Esther in the Soul H2O teaching segment, followed up with leadership insights during the interview segment from one of Canada's premier leaders, Marg Gibb. Take time to download one of the Soul H2O journal pages so you can take notes from the leadership skills of these women that they teach by the way that they live or lived in the case of Esther. You can find the journal pages and information about our guest on today's show notes at soulh2o.com slash 33. And then I'll meet you right back here on Joy Radio. One of my favorite things to do in the world is the number one fear of most people. I love to speak in public. I don't love it to have people look at me, but I love it to connect with people and to share the love of Christ and the power of God's word to change people's lives and transform them from the inside out. A common message I share at retreats is called the best Cinderella story, where I compare the life of Esther in the Bible to the Cinderella plot. And I think you'd concur that Esther's life story is the original if you heard my message. Esther is still honored by the Jewish tradition during the festival of Purim for her leadership of the nation of Israel out of imminent destruction in her time. Esther went from pageant princess to become a trophy wife but ended up a lady of outstanding leadership. Her life started off as a young Jewish girl named Hadassah before she was orphaned by her parents. Her country, Israel, was taken over and they were brought into captivity, probably how she became an orphan. The beautiful little girl was raised by her older cousin who took very good care of her. While living in captivity, people had to take on new names in the language of their captors. So Hadassah was given the name Esther. Her cousin Mordecai hid her identity for as long as he could. By the king's order, he held this pageant, you know, a beauty pageant to find a new wife. Such a crazy thing to do. When Esther was brought into the throne room before the king in this beauty pageant of sorts, everyone was awestruck with her beauty and her form. The Bible tells us that she wins the favor with everyone. King Xerxes takes one look at her, and after a year of women being paraded before him, King Xerxes chooses Esther to be his queen. Years pass, and a prime minister is set in place over the nation, over the many nations, who hates the Jews and is determined to destroy their race. His hatred is disguised as watching out for the king's best interest and tricks the king into issuing an edict to annihilate all Jews, of which his current queen is one. How sad of a marriage that he didn't even know his wife's nationality. But God was working behind the scenes to provide leadership in the castle through an unlikely orphan, beauty pageant winner, and trophy wife, Esther. 
God is always working behind the scenes to protect his people and empower great leaders, men and women leaders. As we learned in episode 31, we rule. God knows how to lead us to lead. And he did just that with Esther. God empowered Esther as she stepped up to lead the oppressing nation to pay for the rebuilding of her people's land and God's temple. Such a crazy, amazing story. This turning of the tables, a topsy-turvy situation where the one who was oppressed became honored and protected and provided for. You've got to read this story. It's incredible. It's not that I'm saying that we're all going to end up in a castle if you follow Esther's example, but I will say that God's got something special, absolutely something that he wants you to do that no one else can do, somewhere for you to lead, because everyone leads someone. And if you're going to lead, you want to lead well. So I believe Esther is a great leader to follow. And I think that we can take a look at her life and follow the characteristics that she exemplified to become good leaders in our own circles. So let's take a look at Esther's life, the characteristics that she expresses and to become a great leader. The first thing that I see in Esther's life as a leader is that she was quick. And good leaders can make quick decisions. Esther didn't have time to make a decision when the trouble hit. She was quick to find out what was going on when there was a problem. When she found out from Mordecai, you know, sitting in the gates and and having the ashes on his face. And when she heard about this, she knew something was wrong. And she quickly sent a letter to find out what was going on. She didn't bury her head in the sand. She gets to the bottom of the issue quickly. Bad or weak leaders hear of a problem and they just ignore it. They don't act. They leave it alone. Good leaders are quick. Another thing that I see in her life is that she's not perfect. And leaders don't have to be perfect, which makes me feel really good. It's okay not to be perfect. Because you see, when she found out about this big plot to kill her race of people, the Israelites, She at first didn't want to do anything. She didn't want to get involved. She wanted to take a back seat. But every leader will make mistakes for sure. A good leader recognizes when they've made wrong decisions and then they do something about it. Esther almost missed her opportunity. And bad or weak leaders will miss opportunities that affect their people and organizations negatively. But it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to make mistakes, but we just can't sit in them. Another thing that I learned from Esther's life is that she was a good listener. In chapter 4, verses 13 to 17 of Esther's book, you can learn about how leadership did not come naturally for Esther. But she learned to listen, and as she learned to listen, she learned good leadership from the people around her, and I really believe from her cousin Mordecai. Um, the first time she really didn't listen to him, but the second time and, and the third time when she hears about it, she listens. Weak or bad listeners 
don't listen to other people. They don't listen to the advice of others. They only want to hear the things that make them feel good. Good listeners and great listeners take interest in all the things that are said and and they weed out the good and bad, but they listen. A good listener is wise and Esther was wise. She made wise decisions based on good evidence and guidance from her uncle Mordecai or her cousin Mordecai. Good leaders can make wise decisions quickly. Again, she was quick, but she was wise and quick. And good leaders are wise. She was also courageous. In chapters 4, verses 15 to 17, she understands that God positioned her for such a time as this and that she took courage out of that knowing that God had placed her in the position. She didn't start out this courageous girl. She started out fearful, not wanting to be involved. But when she knew that God was her strength, when she was reminded of that, she took her position in courage. She just, you know, moved forward. It's said that courage is not the absence of fear, but it's moving out even when you're afraid. I think if if Esther had a motto, it would be, do it afraid. And girls, I'm encouraging you to do the same. She also was a planner. Esther didn't just run into the king's uh, throne room and say, hey, there's a plan to kill people, my people, didn't you know I'm a Jew? No, she didn't do that. She set out a plan where she got the nation of people to pray, the Israelites to pray for three days. She called a fast and prayer. She had a plan and good leaders take the time to set a plan and to execute it. Another thing is that she made it clear. Good leaders make their direction clear. Every one of the Israelites knew what they were called to do and why they were calling to do it. They knew it. They knew their purpose. And she empowered them by giving them clear direction. An unwise or a weak leader doesn't give clear direction. They just give, you know, basic understanding of what is expected, but not that clear direction that is needed to help those people you're leading succeed in the calling that they have. The next thing I see about uh, Esther is that she was active. She didn't just sit back. She quickly moves into action and she doesn't just tell other people what to do. She is actively involved in the solution. The next thing I see is that Esther led by example. In chapter 4, verse 16 of the book of Esther, uh, you can read about how she didn't ask people to do something that she wasn't willing to do herself. No, Esther was doing the same thing of what she asked the people to do. She was committed. She was spirit-led. She didn't just blurt out things to her hubby. She waited for the exact right time. She didn't even say things at the first banquet. No, she waited because she knew that it wasn't the time. 
You know, some people might think that she kind of wimped out after the first banquet, that she should have told her husband. But it was God's timing to wait for another banquet because it was after the first banquet where God kept King Xerxes awake. And he then was reminded of Mordecai and what Mordecai did. And those are all the events that led up to God setting the people free and listening to Holy Spirit's direction will make you a great leader. And it is what made Esther a great leader. She also was bold. (laughs) This girl was bold indeed. If you look in chapter 7 and read about that second banquet, it's incredible. By this point, she so was empowered by God to to speak the truth that she spoke it in boldness and, and ratted out Haman and his evil plans. And even when he tried to come into her bedroom, it says, and to lay on her couch where she was, she wasn't even stressed. And God sent the king in at that exact time to protect her from Haman and And God used her boldness. Weak leaders are weak. They're afraid to stand up and to be bold and to speak the words that they need to speak in situations. And the other thing that I see too, she delegates. She doesn't just do it all herself. She enlists so many people and empowers others to be great leaders and to be a part of this great miracle of deliverance that God had planned. She involved Mordecai and the the whole nation by getting them to fast and pray. She was successful. She didn't just accept defeat. No, she pushed on to success against her enemies. And you can read all about that in chapter nine of her book. And then the incredible thing, something that I sometimes struggle to do, is she rested and celebrated her success. You know, a really good leader can see the things that they have done and not feel the need to continually conquer, but to take that break and to rest and to relax and to celebrate what God has done, the success he's given because he's good. Unwise leaders work themselves into burnout to the place where they have nothing left to give. But wise leaders know when it's time to rest and know when it's time to celebrate your success in what God has done. I hope that all of these characteristics that Esther expressed through her life are encouragement to you. As you take a look at her life and a girl that really didn't know how to lead, that God could make her the leader of a nation to set them free from absolute, certain annihilation. God can make you the leader that he's called you to be, that he needs you to be, that the people around you need to be, if you will just listen to him and allow Holy Spirit to work in and through you. We are open. We're open. We are 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 open. 
curbside, contactless, online, or in person. However you've adapted, let Toronto know you're open for business. Connect with Joy Radio's growing network of GTA Christians today. Learn how at joyradio.ca slash sales. That's joyradio.ca slash sales. Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world. Well, I am so excited to have Marg Gibb on Soul H2O Radio today. And we've been talking about leadership in the teaching segment. And Marg, I am so glad that you are going to be here to share your leadership insights with us. Thanks for coming on. Well, I'm very happy to be here with you. Thank you, Sherry. Oh, well, everyone, let me tell you just a little bit about Mark. And there is so much to tell. I could literally take the whole show just talking about her leadership experiences. But Mark Gibb is the executive director of Women Together. Uh, she's an international speaker, published author. Her extensive leadership experiences, and I'm talking extensive, includes, you know, 25 plus years of pastoral ministry with her late husband, 10 years as the president of Women Alive. She has founded Women Together in 2011. And through that, she's traveled the globe, expanding Women Together into nine countries. Mark, you are literally just traveling around. And, um, you know, what, uh, what got you into leadership? What was maybe your first experience, your foray into leadership? Well, Sherry, you've asked actually a very tough question because I never (laughs) saw myself as a leader. Mm. And I remember um, as a teenager being so shy and introverted painfully, painfully, where I was afraid of life, afraid of people, very afraid of people. And um, so my little first taste of leadership was when I taught Sunday school years Mm. ago. Christian education, we call it now. And I felt very comfortable with children. Um, And I didn't realize where God would take this insecure um, young girl who didn't think she had much to offer anybody and do what he has done with my life. It's quite amazing, actually. It is. And I think like for so many of us that are in leadership positions, that that is so often the case. And, you know, in the teaching segment, I talk about Esther and how she was definitely not leadership material. And some of us feel, and and I'm sure so many girls and guys listening to this episode, they have probably felt like that. They're, They're given an opportunity to do something and they think, you know, I'm just not leadership material. So it's encouraging and and people, you know, they might not know your whole story like I know a lot about you at this point. But to know that you didn't start off with all this, you know, great leadership experience, leadership qualities, but that God can train us into those positions of leadership and and to, you know, to make us into the leader that he needs us to be. Yeah, like I honestly, I can identify with Moses. I probably wasn't quite that bad, but yeah. if ever there was a man who was reluctant to the call of God, it was Moses. And I mean, when, when God called me to ministry, I, I beg God, I mean, truly beg God, I will go, but I'll have to do it through marrying a pastor, because I have nothing <laughs> to offer. And don't, oh. don't ask me to ever, ever public speak, because I can't do that. And never, uh, never ask me to go to Africa, because I will absolutely refuse. 
And so I had so my, my a few list caveats. of things that I would, um, I, I had more what I wouldn't do than what I would do. Oh, and, it's um, amazing it was, that God puts up with us, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, well, I think, you know, sometimes you just have to have a heart that's willing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. I know that if I would have seen the whole picture um, when God called me, um, I wouldn't have been able to handle it. God takes us step by step in the development process. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you start off and, you know, you're a a Sunday school teacher, which for so many of us, that is like those beginning stages of learning leadership roles. Um, A lot of times God uses that. What was maybe uh, something that came after that where you started to see those leadership, uh, you know, gifting starting to come out into your life? Well, I think because Bob and I were pastoring, um, you know, I always took that secondary role. I played the piano, and I was his support. But things would, would kind of catch my eye. And I'd mm-hmm. say, boy, I think I could do that, but I'm afraid. So it would, it would grab my heart. I could see potential, but everything within me would say, no, you're not qualified to do that. So there, and then I had a wonderful husband who who would say to me, "Of course you can do that," and I would argue with him and say, "No, I can't," you know. <laughs> and there was this there was this ongoing battle between taking a step of faith and moving into something um, that I had for for many years. But I can honestly say that it was the places I worked at while we were pastoring. I had to go to work and. Um, bring in some added income. And one of the places I worked was with the the government, Parks Canada, and they truly drew out my ability. They drew it out. I was not in a church setting. I was in an office and they drew it out. They would just say, this is what we uh, think this department could do. You're head of two clerks. What can you do? And um, I was forced into acting like a leader, being a leader. Mm. I love how God will take our everyday circumstances and use those to prepare us for whatever he has for us. And I'm sure he used you even in, you know, in the midst of this job situation, your career, Mm -hmm. uh, and used your ministry there, but also prepared you for so much of what he had for you for the future. I think, Sherry, when I look back at that, like sometimes in a church setting, there are nonverbal expectations of anyone in ministry. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, you know, people, there's nonverbal. And I think I assumed those too much, thinking that I had to meet some sort of a standard to be fully accepted. But when I went to work, um, it was like my own territory where I could <laughs> develop and people drew it out of me. Mm-hmm. They just drew it out of me, and That's the affirmation so was there. Uh, so then I was able to uh, like jump into my creativity, which I never thought I had, but it was there. It was there all along. Mm-hmm. And God and, had to put you in a situation to get that drawn out. To get it so, drawn out, and so often women think, you know what, I can't do the hard thing, so I'll just, I'll just um, not accept that, even though I have a. a a draw to it. I won't do it because it's too hard, but it's accepting the hard thing where we learn and grow and stretch and become 
the leaders were going to be. There's a process yeah. even in our calling. You know, you Absolutely. have to step into something and you become the calling as you move along in life and in your development process. Mm-hmm. So and I my don't think start any of... was, yeah. was in a workplace. That was my real start. Mm-hmm. And after I gained some confidence that I had ability, I remember... Uh, just being um, at work one day and thinking, my goodness, I can do things. Like it was just like a, a divine uh, light <laughs> shone into my <laughs> yeah. heart and head. And, yeah. yeah, I can organize. I can. And then that moved into back into the church setting. So now, that was my process. That was your process. But mm-hmm. I, I think like for so many of us, um, I think, you know, I've gone and I've done the John Maxwell training and learning leadership. I, I constantly through books. I know you are probably the biggest reader that I'm aware of. And you have this thing. How many books do you read? Is it a week, a month or you have well, a commitment? No. Sherry, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not like some, but I do read. My goal mm-hmm. is a book a week. There you go. So uh, girl, read, that's a big that's a big goal. I read 52 <laughs> books a week. And um uh, and I started 52 this books a week. <laughs> 52, 52 sorry, 52 books a year. A yeah. flip. And there I started go. this in 2010, so that's almost um that's 10 years. So I've read mm. over well, 500 and some books. It's 520 yeah. books. And when I and read, do that- I don't skim read. I read with a pen, a ruler, mm-hmm. and some uh, post-its. And I flag things. I see reading as an education and a learning process. You're able to dip into the, the well of another author and explore what he is seeing, what she is seeing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, uh, I love biographies, and um, I love good Christian leadership books. And yeah. other leadership books, but I, I really, I, I read to learn. Yeah. And um, leaders are learners. That's something I've heard you say when I heard you share it. I don't know what, I've heard you at so many different events now, but mm. um, this, this, you know, you, you kind of have this insatiable desire to learn. I think that's such an important thing for a learner, uh, a leader that, you know, you are constantly learning, growing, adapting, moving forward, even in your leadership, no matter what stage of leadership we're at. But you, you've shared that somewhere with me and, and that, you know, you're constantly learning from mm-hmm. a lot of different places. And I think so that's probably one huge way that you've been in this training ground for leadership. Has there been any other area where you've, you know, you feel like God has had you in this uh, training ground for the leadership role? You you had your job and, you know, books? Uh, Books, yeah. And then the opportunities. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like, how many women move from being a pastor's wife to being the president of Women Alive in Canada? Mm -hmm. That, that That was a big step. Yeah, You know, I had never had staff before. I had never um, raised funds for a ministry. I, there was many things I didn't know how to do. But again, uh, when the opportunity came, even though it was hard, like, can I do this? Can I really do this? I yeah. just felt God was giving me the green light and go ahead and do it. And um, so all of those experiences of learning how to develop um, 
you know, managing staff, um, building a ministry, um, developing programs, all of that was a huge learning experience for me. And it honestly prepared me for what I'm doing now internationally. Mm-hmm. But my learning curve internationally has, has been, how do you do some of the programs we do here in the West and modify them in another culture? Mm. It's another whole um, learning experience. So I just believe that every leader has to have a learning mindset, a posture. All of your life, you're going to be learning. And if you come to the place where you think you've learned it all, then you're you're not a leader anymore. You constantly have to learn. That is so wise, Mark. So wise. Is there a person that, or, or maybe a couple people that you think, when you look back on your life, that have really, whether it's someone that you've maybe met, someone you might have only read their stuff or heard about them, but uh, a leader that really has helped train you and prepare you as a leader, um, is there any, you know, people, leaders that have really influenced your your leadership skills? Well, probably the, the one that had the most influence uh in my life was Eileen Stewart Rude. Mm, and uh, that her. goes back a number <laughs> of years ago now. But she believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. Mm. She took me when I was just learning how to speak and just being asked to speak. And she would say, what you're saying is so good, keep at it and keep doing it. Keep training yourself. Keep speaking. Take the doors that are open for you. And she definitely had probably the most impact on my life. But oh, then wow. I watch leaders. And I'll tell you who I have watched for the last 10 years at least is Hulda Buntain from Calcutta, mm. India. Yes. And, you know, she's uh, much older than I am. But I love her attitude toward life. I love her <laughs> attitude toward calling. A calling never retires. Yeah. A calling is a lifetime, something that God calls you for a lifetime. And it may change, but you're still called. And in my years now, she is definitely an inspiration to me, very much so. That is uh, two amazing I mean, ladies. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then there's there's books. I mean, Richard Foster, um, Eugene Peterson, like I can name many books. I've never met these men, probably will never meet them, but they have been like mentors to me. Mm-hmm. And uh I I that's why I value book reading so much because they have they have invested in my journey but they don't know it. Yeah, so many people. And I think that's the amazing thing of, you know, books. Now we have online courses that we can take and, you know, so many different things. We can watch YouTube videos from people and they can be in our home teaching us and we might never meet them. But I, I love your whole, you know, mindset that if you want to become a leader, you don't have to be born with these skills. You can learn them by, you know, just sitting under 
someone else's teaching and making sure that they're good people to follow. Uh, the one thing that you brought uh, that I just really see, as you mentioned, Eileen Stewart Root, and I think this is something that we all need as leaders. We need the cheerleader in our life. We, you really, if you're going to lead, you need someone in your life that is going to help you because as you keep mentioning, it's hard to be a leader, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a growing process. I mean, listen, everybody, when I meet women uh, now, um, I mean, after all these years, I definitely see potential. I can see it right away. I can see it in their demeanor. I can see it. I can see it, uh, how they uh, react to people, respond to people. I can see it. But the big thing is everybody needs to be affirmed. They need to be told over and over again, there's more in you than you know. And they've got to draw it out. They've got to be an encourager. Mentors are encouragers. You've yeah. got to draw it out. You've got to keep saying, yes, you can write, or yes, you can this. Yes, you can build a ministry. Yes, you can. And, and people need to hear that. They need the affirmation, and then they need someone to open doors for them. Mm-hmm. And that's where I see my part right now with women, just open doors because the more Absolutely. the more doors you open then that individual feels um, more confident they feel affirmed they feel encouraged it kind of gives them inner strength to move ahead and the, mm-hmm. i think those two things are are vitally important Aff- affirmation to help people believe in themselves and be that encourager but open doors as well I am hearing the heart of a true leader as we're talking. I'm so excited that we're going to get to talk more. But as we, you know, go into this first break of the the interview, I'm just so um, excited to hear that heart of a leader that you, you know, you have to love the people. And so as we, you know, take a break, we go into the song and then we're going to, you know, come back and hear the rest of the story of how God is using Mark in new and expanded areas of leadership. I'm Mark Gibb and my music pick for Soul H2O Radio is Love God, Love People by Danny Goki. I've been running in circles, jumping the hurdles. We are open. We're open. We are open. We are open. We are open. We are open. Curbside, contactless, online, or in person. However you've adapted, let Toronto know you're open for business. Connect with Joy Radio's growing network of GTA Christians today. Learn how at joyradio.ca slash sales. That's joyradio.ca slash sales. Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world. Mark, I'm so glad to be back here, and I'd love for you to share with the audience, you know, a Bible study tool or tip, something that you use, incorporate in your personal Bible study. Well, I... um. I don't normally do Bible studies. I know they're popular, and I have nothing against them. I'd highly recommend them. But I like reading the Bible, um, just reading the Word. 
And I have read the Bible through several times, and I just want to tell you how I do it. I start right from Genesis and work through the whole Bible. I usually buy a Bible with wide margins so I can write in in the margins. Mm-hmm. And um, again, I get my, my pen and my ruler. <laughs> my ruler goes everywhere <laughs> with me. <laughs> and um, I, I read a passage of Scripture, but I really ponder and think about it. I don't follow a method where you can read the Word in one year. I don't do that. I want to enter in and really mm-hmm. understand what's happening in that story, uh, what's happening in that passage of Scripture. So I particularly love um, the Old Testament stories. I'm actually going through uh, 1 Chronicles right now. Mm-hmm. And the drama in these stories, how people's personalities play out, how God steps in, all of that to me is fascinating reading. And so I underline, if there's a name that I don't recognize, I quickly look it up. I Google the name to find out who this person is. How do they appear on the scene? How are they related to the main character? So it's much more, it's deeper. I go deeper than um, than following a Bible study. Even there, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's kind of my method. Yeah. I want to I want to be able to use my imagination when I read uh the Bible. So let's say actually Mark Batterson helped me with this. He's written some mm. amazing books. Yeah. And uh you know how will you enter in? So when you're reading about the five loaves and two fishes, visualize how that little boy felt when he saw the miracle. Did he jump mm. up and down? Did he yell? Was he quiet? Like, like, visualize the gasp when the miracle was unfolding. And, and I put myself in the story because I want to live it, not just read it. So that's, that's what I do. That's really good. It, it reminds me, when my kids were little, we had this book, this series called Alice in Bible Land, and it was, you know, kind of a take on Alice in Wonderland, but this little Alice would enter into the Bible scene. And as she did, you know, she was just became a part of the story. And it was kind of like what you're expressing here of like really becoming, seeing the stories and being a part of it, experiencing the story. So that's really neat. I love that. And I hope people will, uh, you know, incorporate that in their personal devotional time. Sherry, when you think of a story like Ruth and Naomi, can you imagine the mm. the number of videos that you can have playing in your mind? <laughs> oh, so <laughs> many for that, that story. story. Yeah, perfect and leadership just, uh, book. The, the emotion, <laughs> the, the mentoring, stories. the miracles. Mm. You know, mm. Bible stories... Uh, we have an advantage is we know how they, the beginning, we know the middle, and we know how it ended. But these people did not know yeah. how their story would unfold. Mm-hmm. We do, but they didn't. Yeah, And so absolutely. you marvel at how God uh, brought them back to, like in Naomi and Ruth, back, back to Bethlehem, Judah at a certain time. Um, you know, wheat fields were flourishing again. It just so happened that Ruth said, I'm going to go and gather some grain, which was a provision for them. And all of a sudden, she meets this man, Boaz. Like it's like, mm-hmm. uh, what? What? Like this is an amazing story. Yeah. And, and you kind of think, okay, what did they do at supper time? What did they talk about? Because this was unexpected. Mm. And it taught me that that story, in particular, and many others, is prepare for God's surprises in your journey. Sometimes mm. we worry about the future, but how about thinking God's going to surprise me today? 
That's oh, a did really awesome. good thing. That's a great way to go into your day. God's yeah. going to surprise me today. That is right. really good. Um, I I know your your favorite Bible verse. You've shared it with me, but maybe if you can share it with the people, because I think it'll help them to look for God to surprise them as you think about this verse. Now, this is my life verse. It's Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Talk about the care of God, walking steps ahead of us, working in advance of us. Yeah. And I always say to women, you know, we only see this year, or maybe right now in COVID, maybe three weeks, that's about it. But God's already (laughs) got... He's way ahead of us right now. He knows what is going to open up because of this time in our lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So expect God who works in advance of you, who, and you've been called by God to strengthen your, to straighten your path, to lead you, to guide you. And he's always looking after you, always looking after you. So good. I, I think that's going to give girls just a great focus to start their day every day um, and 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 look to God to just really amaze them. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have experienced God's instructing, his leading, his teaching you for so much. You, uh, you know, it has propelled you into really incredible leadership roles. We talked about a few of them, your pastoral leadership in the business world. There's been leadership opportunities and training grounds. You've led, you know, 6,000 intercessors in the National Prayer Network. You've <laughs> you've done so many different things. And then now, you know, you were the president of Women Alive for 10 years And then there was this time where God somehow inspired you to start um, a group called Women Together. How did that come to be? Well, it started at, um, actually, I'll go back to the very, very beginning. When I was uh, in Bible college taking my theological training, uh, this is really a funny story, but I used to, we all had to go to a prayer group, uh, a missions prayer group, a global prayer group, I guess I'd say. And I looked at the list, and remember, um, I had said to God, never Africa, like yeah. years before that. So now now I'm in Bible college, like four years later, and I see this list of countries that we're going to pray for. The only one that caught my eye was Africa. And I thought, <laughs> well, I definitely am not going to go to Africa ever, because I asked God never to send me there, but at least I could pray for Africa. I could do that. That's dangerous. There you go. That is the danger. There's where it started. (laughs) And so, Sherry, I I went into that prayer group and we prayed. And honestly, I would, in my, as I prayed, I would see women uh, saying, come. I would see images. Uh, I, I just, I just felt this opportunity was like, like, this was something God was putting in my heart, although I was deathly afraid of ever going and never dreamed I'd ever go. And then when I became president of Women Alive, um, I got a call one day from World Vision. This was in 2003, and they asked if I would be represent Canadian women and go to Uganda and Tanzania to see what was happening and learn what was happening with women and children and the pandemic, the HIV-AIDS pandemic. That was in 2003. 
And I I did go on that trip. It was all covered. I only had to pay a very, very small amount. And I went on that trip. And as soon as I I stood on African soil, I began to cry. And I knew that I'd be back. Mm. But I was president of Women Alive at that time, just recently um, became president. And so for the next number of years, I led the ministry but every time I try, and I traveled a lot across Canada, but every time I went go to like Fort McMurray or wherever, Edmonton, um, women would say to me, you know, um, I'm 55 right now. I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for years, and I don't know what I'm going to do when I retire. And I would think, well, with all of your experience, you should be on the mission field <laughs> because I had mm-hmm. just been to Africa. Yeah. And that that kind of conversation took place uh, many, 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 many times in an eight to ten year period, many, many times. And then I became convinced that Canadian women needed to be overseas, that they were gifted, talented, had tons of experience, rather than just accepting the retirement mentality that we have in our country, they needed to go overseas. And then in 2007, so I'm, st- I'm in Women Alive, running the ministry, uh, my son uh, was invited to take a pastor's conference in Uganda, and he wanted me to come and my daughter, Tricia. And so we did go and uh, had a wonderful time. But that was the year that, that was on that occasion, my husband was not well here in Canada and passed away, mm. which was which is another story. Yeah. But... I knew then, again, I'm coming back. Something's got to happen. i got to come back. And so with mm-hmm. all these conversations I used to have with women, and now coming back to Africa for the second time in 2003, now 2007, um, I just knew I'd be back. And so after 2007, when my husband passed away, the urge, the vision to do something internationally grew and grew and grew until literally I became pregnant with this thing. (laughs) And I knew that I had to resign women alive because they, they definitely wanted to be just Canadian. And I needed to take the step of faith, apply for charity status and move something new out of Canada with these amazing women (laughs) that we have in our nation and take them overseas. And basically, that's how it all started. Wow. It's so amazing. And I see, you know, as we're talking, I see how God started you in this, you know, he, he tricked you into Sunday school and, <laughs> and, you know, put you in this training ground and helped you to become this leader who who helped to train people. But through women together, there's been this shift in your leadership that is from my vantage point, where now you are, you know, you're going beyond just training these women and leading them. You are putting them into leadership experiences and so many throughout the globe. So you've been in nine countries, is it, through women together? Well, I work in nine countries, but I've been in about 22 countries. Wow. I'm into a lot of countries. Um, but what I, what I can say to you is now, I under, I've, I've been in this 10 years with women together. So what's happening right now is we're not only equipping and affirming leadership in many countries with women. They look to us 
to, um, you know, in Ukraine and every place. We have coordinators there. We have teams there. And I'm always, like, trying to strengthen them that you can do more in your country. But then the added part is all the women that I bring over. And you need to come with me sometime, Sherry. I think I do. I really think I do. I would absolutely love that. When we take women overseas with us, whether we go to Colombia or Ukraine or the Philippines or whatever, often they find a new ministry expression in that country that all I did was open the door for them. Mm-hmm. We have a nurse that has traveled with us Uganda that has developed a home-based care course for a ministry in Uganda, it's Ugandan base called Rotom, and she teaches village girls in home-based care, and those girls are now finding jobs and working for seniors under the ministry of Rotom. And so for my friend Evelyn, she has found a brand new ministry in Uganda that she would have never, ever, ever had in Brandon, Manitoba if um, she didn't accept the challenge to go overseas. Canadian women are finding a place of ministry in these countries that they would have never had in our own country. You are opening the door for so many women. I know you've done that for me in having me speak at your Women Together conference. That is just phenomenal how you bring women from around the globe and inspire women. Um, The other way that you are opening the door for so many women, you've just uh, released the the Word Awards award-winning book, Faith, Life, and Leadership, Volume 2, with eight Canadian women and you tell the stories. So this is the second uh, volume where you are telling the stories of Canadian women leaders. How how did that come about? Oh, that came that came about uh, in my Women Alive years as well. The idea of it came. And Sherry, what a slow um, woman I am to pick up an idea. I had this <laughs> idea for ten years before I did anything about it. And largely, so what I saw was, what I saw was, uh, wow, Canadian women, and because of my travels with Women Alive, Canadian women are so gifted. Mm. And I remember many times when I would have a committee meeting uh, somewhere with my team in in, uh, Women Alive, and I'd say, okay, who do you want for a speaker for next year? And they'd always name someone from the States. And I'd say, well, what about Canada? And they'd say, well, we don't know anybody in Canada, and we're all Canadian, you know? And I just Mm -hmm. felt, wow, I've got to get the stories out there. Because stories are very powerful in Mm -hmm. uh, communicating uh, all kinds of information. And a place of identity. If If you hear someone's story, you say, wow, they went through that too. That's what I've gone through. Mm-hmm. And there's a link, there's a connection, there's a spiritual connection. So I saw the need for this book. I actually talked to Lorna Duick about it because um, we were um, working together on a project at that time. And and she said, let's do it. Well, her she went one way, I went another way in our ministry development. And then one day I met a woman uh, and I shared the idea with her. Her name was Georgia Lee Lang. And she said, I will edit that book for you. I'll look after it. And that was the beginning of Volume 1. 
we sold over 4,000 copies of that book, and now we've just done volume two, and I, I'm i general editor of that volume, and um, it just won an award. Yeah. Thanks, Sherry. Yeah, well, I, it has your win has nothing to do with me, but I was just so excited when I got the judging marks back and I saw that the book won. Um, you know, I'm looking at the cover of Faith, Life, and Leadership, and I see four friends out of the eight women that are in in your book. But Moira Brown, Marie Miller, uh, Ruth Ann Onley, Eileen Van Ginkle, Cheryl Weber, uh, Leela right. Springer, Wendy Hagar, and Susan Finley. Amazing Canadian women. Amazing women. Yeah. Yeah. And I I want to do more. I, I just mm-hmm. think that we don't we don't tell our stories enough. We're not patient enough to ask questions and learn about each other. If we did, we would see the amazing hand of God in our stories. Yeah. And we would learn from their leadership lessons and what they've learned in their journey. This book That's right. both volumes are filled with leadership tips. Absolutely. Yes. They are absolutely filled with leadership tips. And so we could talk forever. I have loved this conversation with you, Mark. But if you could just leave us with one last leadership tip as we close out this segment. Well, I said already that uh, if you're going to be a leader, you have to have a a learning posture all of your life. And Mm -hmm. the one tip I can leave you with today is what I've discovered uh, maybe about five years ago is the best way to learn is ask questions. You know, we're we're not developing thinkers uh, really well today because we're not readers and and we don't ask questions. And when I'm in a country, it is absolutely great delight to ask questions of leadership and taxi taxi drivers and women uh, who come and see me, women who have live in a village, I ask questions. Why? Because I want to learn. And the more questions you ask, you are opening yourself up to learning more than just what your eyes can see. You come to a village and your eyes are seeing one thing, but when you ask questions, you really do learn about the person and what they're experiencing. So my leadership tip is wherever you go, ask questions. Such great leadership advice, Marg. I want to thank you for being on Soul Age Show Radio today and sharing with us. You know, we could talk forever about all the leadership things that you've done, but I encourage everyone to go on the show notes. We have links to to Marg's Facebook account, to her Instagram, and for the uh, Women Together website. It's women-together.org if you want to check it out right now. But uh, if not, go on the Soul Age Show notes, show notes, and Uh, check out a whole bunch of things you can get links to the books a whole lot of things that Marg is about doing right now so thanks so much for being on the show thank you for having me My challenge for you today is to first recognize that you're a leader everyone in some way is a leader If you're a parent, you're leading your kids. If you work, those around you watch what you do. Just being a friend to others puts you in the position where others may follow what you do. Accept the fact that you are a leader. And I hope, knowing this, that you're going to want to lead well. 
in order to be the leader that God desires for you to be and the one that people around you need for you to be, I challenge you to implement some of Esther and Marg's leadership skill sets. These two great godly women are wonderful examples to follow. I really do want to thank you for listening to episode 33. Remember to check out today's show notes for deeper insights and links to Women Together Ministries and Marg Gibbs' site. To thank you for watching, I've created a one-page download for you of inspiring leadership quotes from John Maxwell's books. These are just some of the many messages I've learned to lead from, and I hope they help you in your leadership journey. Here at Soul H2O, we love to hear your feedback and how Soul H2O show has impacted your life. A listener, Lori, wrote us after listening to episode nine. She said, so wonderful to hear your Soul H2O interview with Esther Pauls on Joy Radio. It really encouraged me to not only keep running the race, but to maybe get some new shoes with a shoe and winky face emoji. You'll have to listen to that episode to get what she's meaning. But Lori finished off by saying, praying for Esther and her Haiti team and all they do. So inspired. We want to inspire you. And please make sure to leave your comments under today's show notes or any social media posting. Or just DM me on Instagram and let me know how the show is impacting you. We appreciate your support to help Soul H2O Ministries continue and want to thank all of you who partner with us in making this Joy Radio show a reality so people can come and get refreshed. Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O Podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world.